Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello folks, my name is David Edgar, I'm the host of Heart and Hand and thank you for joining us here on Heart and Hand Extra where we always of course preview the upcoming game but when there's a midweek game we look back on it. Joining me tonight to do so after a really enjoyable Rangers performance is Andy McGowan. Hello Andy. Hi David, I'm in a really, really good mood tonight. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, everything's been going really, really well and we're all happy with the transfer business, the team can fly out the traps and there's a a spirit about Ibrox, Andy, that hasn't been there in quite a long time. I didn't know anyone last night who didn't think we were going to win other than with a totally unscientific and not based on football method of maybe Aberdeen are due against us. You know, we've had two wins and that was the only reason. And then the match sort of played out like that. Yeah. I think, I think there's a bit of stability here just now. And... Uh... It's just a contrast to what we had in the first half of the season. There was always a drama, whether it was Cassini's press conferences, whether it was uh, background noise about the stability of the club or finances. It just seems to have lifted a wee bit. But as is always the case, the results ultimately determine the mood of everybody around the camp. So uh, that, that's a major factor. But you're right, David, there is a bit of a, um, a feel-good factor that you should yeah. use that cliche around the club. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about the game then. Um, Rangers went in with a, a kind of four two three one, and I thought after initially a, a, a bit of a sluggish start from both sides, which is kind of to be expected, in that it's a big match and we, we had three debutants, so I mean that's that's going to have an effect. I thought Rangers yep. took command round about the kind of ten to fifteen minutes mark, and then didn't give that command up until really the eightieth minute, by which time we were two 0 up. Um, missed some good chances Their keeper has made In particular one remarkable save And then Alfredo Morelos Who's earlier missed a chance Gets on the end of a, a terrific ball Which was one of a series Of terrific balls From that right hand side In the first half Makes it 1-0 Only regret at half time Is that it's only one Into the second half And again um, Alfie's missed a couple Of really good chances Including one that was Really an open goal um, But Rangers keep going uh, Josh Windass forces a good save from the keeper, eventually wins a penalty. Stone Waller was right in front of me. Uh, James Tavernier puts it away very confidently. And Aberdeen do rally in the last 10 minutes, but unfortunately for them, they run into Wes Fodringham, who's channeling Andy Gorham, and would would not be beaten. And, I mean, I don't think 
anyone can <clears throat> quibble with the result. I think if you are one of the stats guys, you go for expected goals. I think Rangers would probably, I think a 4-1 win would have been an accurate reflection. So I think 2-0 um, with a clean sheet, I'll take any day of the week, Andy. Yeah, it was a strange game and if you watched the highlights, you'd have probably thought Aberdeen were maybe a wee bit mis- unfortunate because they didn't uh, capitalise at the end of the game because they had a couple of really good chances, as you say, for them and Tavernier did really well, but we were well worth the, the victory. Yeah. I mean, that, the 2 nothing actually flattered Aberdeen because we were in control uh, for 80% of that game, I would say, uh, from a, from the, the very first whistle. Um, you mentioned the formation. There was a real balance to the team last night. I thought uh, that the debutants done exceptionally well. I was, I was really impressed with Goss because what I thought he did was he just brought his calmness to the middle of the park. He's clearly a very, very good passer of the ball. Um, and a big difference was that that allowed Hope to do his natural game, which was pick up loose balls, drive forward with the ball, use his energy in a good manner. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought Aberdeen, they couldn't come out, was my impression. I thought they had to sit in a wee bit more than they, than they would naturally do. And the reason was probably because they were recognising that we had a lot of pace in that three behind Morelos. Mm. You had Candace, Windass and... Um, Murphy. Yep, Murphy. And and if they had tried to come out, we would have picked them off. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, but as it went, the game plan went to went perfectly well. Um, it was only a matter of time before we scored the first goal. Uh, and I think the silence of the Aberdeen fans throughout, apart from their usual dreadful ditties, mm. but I thought their general demeanour and uh, static pose <laughs> was a, a reflection of how much they knew we were, we were dominating them. They have absolutely no confidence coming in their team, I should, I should say. They have absolutely no confidence in their team's ability to travel to Glasgow. And uh, you just need to read... Uh, Aberdeen fans online, social media, etc. But to be fair, understandably, I mean, it's a well-earned lack of confidence because they just for for the the build-up they get from the press that they are comfortably swatted aside by, I mean, clearly by Celtic, but by us continually. And with the exception of that performance last season when we had a team of basically kind of kids and guys that were shit out of form, um, that win does look like an outlier. And I think that we're, we're starting up a great new record against them. want to pick out a few individual players, Andy. You mentioned Jason Holt, who I thought was terrific last night. He was the captain yep. and played like one. But... You also mentioned Wes Fodderingham, who was unbelievable, and James Tavernier, following on from the performance against Celtic, was quite simply superb and fitting that he got a goal, I thought. But watching the game back this morning, um, you, you didn't really have anyone in that team who was under seven. And considering that you have three debutants in there, all of whom I think equipped themselves very well, then that's... I mean, you, we can't ask for a hell of a lot more than that, can we? No, my, my, my only fear going into last night was that there might have been a wee bit of loss of rhythm and a bit of momentum after the, the good result at Parkhead uh, and the fact that the Fraserburgh game was off just to get us back in the swing of mm. things. But as I say, for, for the very first kick of the ball yesterday, um, everybody in that team, without uh, an exception, did a great job. Um, the, the debutants it's never easy to come into a game like that no. playing for Rangers expectation um, against who are supposed to be our major rivals yes. for second place this season yeah. um, and there was just a calmness through the team Martin Russell Martin 
exceptionally good. Hardly made a tackle, right? But that's what Big Alves does as well. It's a reading the game and a positioning that, that allows him to do that and makes the game look easy. It was solid and I think it really helped Bates as well because Bates was then allowed to go and just do his job. Yeah, Bates was good um, at then going forward and nicking the ball quite a lot of the time. Yeah, if you watch it yeah. back, Bates was, was getting in. He's good at that, Bates. He, he judges very well when he should go in and when he should step back. Still has areas yeah. of his game to work on. I think a couple of set pieces he might have done better. But overall... That's a partnership that I like the balance of, you know, the the abilities. I think that you've got a guy who can help the youngster develop and you've got the youngster who's happy to do the stuff that maybe Martin's legs won't let him do anymore. Yeah, no, you're dead right. What Bates is very good at is getting right behind the the striker without getting away a foul. Many times you see a centre-half get right as close as they can to the striker, but their their hands are up or they foul the, the, the striker. Bates is very good, as you say, at getting close and getting in front of them. Nicking the ball away from, uh, so that so that was really promising, um, and that was basically uh, the kind of foundation that allowed they may defend. And then a, a big thing I noticed last night um, was that we we persevered with trying to play for the back. Yes. So I mean, by that is Goss and Holt would come back and take the ball off the goalie, and it kind of forced Aberdeen to decide: Well, do we follow this guy here, not have the whole formation, their whole shape? Or do we just let them do it and we'll take our chances of trying to stop them come forward? So that's a big change because what, what has been happening too often this season uh, under both Cassini and Murray is that we've been forced to play the long ball or take by kicks and, and uh, go long, which it, it usually turns out to be a loss of possession. Mm. So so that was something that I was very pleased with because we persevered, we played football, we didn't um We didn't play slow football at the back. It was all about a good tempo and we were very, very good to use a Kishinev phrase, the transition from mm. defence to attack, we were getting all that part really fast in two, three passes. Yeah, we were direct and we were cutting them open. I mean, constantly. Yeah. I thought Candace in particular, I thought Murphy did well for a debut, but I thought Candace in particular looked really dangerous. And apart from that wee spell round about the Hibs match when he was getting some criticism, I think he's having a hell of a good season, quietly. Yeah. Nah. No, I like Candace for the first moment I've seen him because he had a good ethic, work ethic. And that's half the battle playing for Rangers. If you can work hard and, and do your, your your shift, then it should allow your ability to come through if you've got it. And he's got ability. Uh, even against Hibs, the away game, he came in for a bit of stick. He still worked. He wasn't coming off from quite as much, but he still worked away. He didn't hide. And uh, for a wide player, that's all you can ask. So, no, I've, I've no issues with Candice at all. It's, we can talk about Cassini. But that's one of the things he's gave us. He, he went out and got that boy for £750,000. Mm. And uh, there's a wee lesson there. And, and there, there are good players that can play for Rangers and everything that comes with that for, for not a lot of money. I, I do want to focus on, on Tavernier because, like I say, that's now two, I would say, exceptional performances in a row against you know the, the, two, the two closest teams to us. Um, this is the James Tavernier that... I think that we all hoped he would develop into. And if he can keep this standard up, then good God, because he was magnificent. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. And it was not only... It was a bit like his display at Parkhead, that not only did he play well individually, but I felt that he brought a leadership to the side, Andy, that at the, at the beginning you're wondering, well, who's going to be the leaders? Because, you know, Holt, we hadn't seen as a captain before. Martin's just in the door. Maybe he doesn't feel he can do it. But so many of them took the game by the scruff of the neck. But I thought Tavernier again did exactly that. And and 
by his example and by the way he carried himself, I thought was was an inspirational figure. Yeah. No, you're watching a guy that's right at the top of his game just now. And and, and when you see a player do that, uh, it just flows from them into other players. So uh, what I would say about Tavernier is that in all the time he's been with Rangers, I've always said that he's one that stuck out that was always get the athletic ability, the strength, and certainly football ability to go in and play at the highest level for us or for somebody else. It was just these relapses in concentration and uh, the, the kind of the reputation that he got in terms of the, the goals he lost at Tyne Castle last year, stuff like that. The things that just stuck with him. I don't think he's as bad a defender as he's ever been as bad a defender as some people have painted him out. I think it's been the way the team plays and the lack of cover in midfield and so on and so forth. But yesterday, he was immense. He was getting up the part. He was breaking quick. He was taking clear zone. He was uh, defending fantastically. He was tucking in when required. He was clearing bo- balls out the six-yard box on the goal line almost. He'd done that twice, I think, yesterday mm. in the last 10 minutes when they were putting in the pressure a wee bit. And as you say, uh, David, his, his leadership qualities shone through. And it might be that we've just got a guy now that's maturing into a Rangers player. Uh, uh, that's, this is his third season, isn't it? Yes. So maybe, maybe the kind of it's clicked, which which we've seen before uh, with yeah, other Rangers yeah, players that maybe had poor seasons and came on a game. It can happen. You're right that just something changes, and, and they probably couldn't describe it to you either. It, it's one of the, the, the intangibles in football, but. They, they just carry themselves in a different manner. I think Windass is another one of these. Yep. Andy and I have had a bit of a debate today with uh, some of the other podders that, that you have on here who maybe aren't quite as fond of them as you and I are, are growing to be. But I, I think Windass is a, a constant danger. And yeah, he's not a, the type of guy. He's not a Candace, right? He's not going to run for 90 minutes. But even last night, he's made a couple of chances. He's been involved in a lot of those fast breaks that you were talking about in the transitions. He's almost scored. The keeper's made a great backpedalling save. And then he's won the penalty. And he, he has won the penalty because he, he makes an intelligent run, gets in between the defender and the goalkeeper and forces the foul. Um, I'm, I'm growing into a fan of him. And I was a guy who would happily have driven him. I can't drive. I would have learned to drive <laughs> and driven him down south in October. So I'm, I'm beginning to see a player there, Andy, I must admit. No, I've, I've got to eat large portions of humble pie as well with Windass because uh, neither corn even the Motherwell semi-final stuff like that they were just no. things that I thought this guy's never going to be a Rangers player his attitude isn't he right he's a shite bag <laughs> he was though it was it sounds harsh but you're right I was that's what, that was what the, the kind of consensus was with the guy and uh, I think what's happened now, we were talking today as you say David and the, the parallels with Naismith are there for me because Naismith, we often forget, it took him 18 months to become a Rangers player. Mm-hmm. He was pretty poor and he struggled or pretty kind of non-contributory for a long time in a Rangers jersey and then all, all of a sudden, as I say, it clicked for Naismith. And it's the same kind of thing with Windass and more than that, it's the same kind of role he's playing because what, what he's doing is he's taking up that place, that, that, that position where it's, it's not quite midfield, it's not quite striker. And then he's able to use these fantastic runs and his pace that he's got to uh, create havoc in between and in behind centre halves. And uh, I mean, we were, we were, we knew we were fans of Pena, weren't we? We were yeah. leaders of Pena to a degree because of his his ninja tactics where yeah. he just crop up uh, in the box. And Windass isn't unsimilar in that he can just ghost in 
behind there. I mean, we got the penalty fair. Mm-hmm. We got the, the, the incident in the first half, which was probably a penalty. I've not seen it again, but it looked like a penalty last night. And those were just fast breaks on his part where he would run, somebody would give him a good ball, and, and it's impossible to defend because even the sharpest of centre-halves has got to struggle to, kind of, to match the run. Yeah, so it was the intelligence around the zone. direction of it as well. You know, it was he, he he spotted what he had to do as opposed to just running to put pressure on the defender or whatever. He made it. He made it happen. And it may be that it's just a team that the, the formation suits him now because what you've got is defences have got to keep an eye on Murphy. So so Logan done nothing last night because he couldn't take his eyes off Murphy. And every time he got the ball, Murphy pressed him. And then the other side of the party, you've got Candace. And then the two centre-halves have got their hands through everyone else. Mm. So maybe it's just a, a case that the formation and the person they all know for the first time is going to shoot him doing a tee because it means that he's allowed to do his wee natural game, which is obviously what Warburton and Kishinia and everybody else has seen before us. Mm, no, uh, no, and no, I'd no, also no. like to mention his dad because it was really gratifying to see that he knows that he was in the loudin last night for him that he doesn't know, but it's good to know that he knows what a share of shit the actual team he played for his cell up here is. And he's, he's now got a Rangers <laughs> scarf and he's not watching his boy. Uh, well, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, they were his employer, but that's it's his boy. And uh, I, I think that, that Dean Windass just shoots up my estimation there, and I take back anything I've ever said negative about him. I'll, I'll move him out of he was an ex-sheep category. Um, their fans, of course, uh, were their usual unpleasant selves, um, but... I can't think of a more polite way to put this, Andy, or I don't think they deserve it. So I'm, I'm just going to say it, and apologies for those about the language. They made a right cunt of themselves during the halftime Loving Cup ceremony. When, for those of you who weren't there, the Rangers, over the last few years, they show the Loving Cup ceremony on the big screen. They record it beforehand. When, of course, the, the Loving Cup, which um, was given to us, I think, 1937 from Stoke City, um, is passed round and a toast is, is given to the Queen, the first home match every every January. And showed you the Rangers directors and going through it. The Aberdeen fans burst into a chorus of, what the fucking hell is that? And then we're midway through that line when it just died as the cup is passed to their directors who are taking part in the ceremony. It was fucking brilliant. And then, of course, everybody toasts the Queen and they're they're just going nuts. Uh, but then another odd one. Their keeper gets injured um, from their own defender, but their keeper gets injured uh, in the second half, and obviously we don't we don't wish him any harm at all. But they immediately, as he's lying on the turf, started singing the Ian Durant song. I mean, mm-hmm. what the fuck is that all about? Mm-hmm. I think I, I think the point out is, is Joe Lewis get carried off in a stretcher. There was Rangers. There was a fair proportion of the Rangers support yep. applauding the guy off. hundred percent. Right? Genuinely, I, I would say probably seventy five percent of the fans I, were applauding them off. I was not, but most of the support was. And what was happening there was, I, I thought. That just shows them up for what they are. They're, they're, they're stuck in the 80s. Their, their greatest event that's happened to them this side of the World War Two was an injury to a Rangers player. Yeah. And uh, it kind of sums them up. But you're right about the Loving Cup thing. That, that made my night because it was you couldn't have scripted that. No, it was the, just the, perfect. The, the timing of it. It was like, the what the fucking hell? <laughs> it just died. It, so, was, it was fantastic. I, went, I don't usually do this, but I went on the Aberdeen... Message board last night because it, it, it was uh, funny. I thought it would be good. <laughs> I'm going to if you if you let me indulge you, Davy. I'm going to redo a post. 
Go on. Sullivan Cup, right? And I'm not going to put an, an Aberdeen accent because I can't. It's ridiculous. A big thanks to the Aberdeen directors for truly letting us know where they stand when putting up any challenge against the Huns. No wonder Derek McInnes has it so easy at Patojo when the gimps that run our club partake in a Hun ritual that swears allegiance to the Queen. We are happy to roll over and let them dictate to us. <laughs> now, that was one of the more milder ones that I found, but I tell you, <laughs> MD, MD's got internet access. Go on Aberdeen message boards and read. It's brilliant. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I went on myself and, and had a chuckle. But, uh, I mean, the... <laughs> They genuinely going into the game. There's a few of them that are going, oh, you know, we're we're much better than him. And, and most of them, to be fair, are going, no, we're not. And they've had a better window than us. And we always shit ourselves in Glasgow. Andy, we nearly paid a million quid for Derek McInnes. I know, I know. And, and uh, I mean, it's easy to say it now with hindsight because there's a bit of time passed and, and you, you, you get a different perspective. But... I'll still say, right, that McInnes does a good job for Aberdeen because you've seen how shit they were last night and you see that some of the players he's playing with and we're still level with them in points. So there's a story there. But what's happened is that I, I think he's made it, well, I don't think, I think this is not going to be news to all the listeners, but he's made the biggest mistake in his life because oh. every manager has a shelf life and his is coming up at Aberdeen because they're not happy with him. No. And I think, to, to paraphrase... Craig Levine, I think the natural order, I think it's coming back and it's slowly dawning on them. Mm. And uh, they're not very forgiving towards them because that's them being scudded off both ourselves and Celtic this season. And uh, I think they've had a, a dose of reality. I, I, I don't know what'll happen to McInnes up there. I think I know, the, the stadium and all that kind of stuff is obviously something that's uh, pressing, but we've dodged a bullet. Mm. But well, that's not to say when they've been a success at Rangers, I still think he's a, he's a good manager when all said and done. I think he's an average manager, and I think he, he has an average record. At the upper end of the average scale, agreed, but still, if you look at... A journalist pointed this out to me when we were linked with him. He said, look, you guys have had your struggles, which has taken you at the equation for a number of years. He said, Hearts had, were docked, served, you know, 25 points, relegated, took them a wee while to get back <coughs> into the, the scheme of things. Hibs, obviously, spent time in the Championship. Dundee United, for all, you know, we enjoy it, are joke club spending time in the Championship. He said, where where should Aberdeen have finished in that period? He said, and yeah, I that's did, true. Add into that, it was Ronnie Dyla's Celtic for most of it. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the Rodgers-led version. And he's won one cup and they've finished second. Above who? And I thought, you know, that is a good... That's kind of par. You know, and you're right, it's it's okay. But I think you're right. I mean, the shelf life is an interesting thing, but you add on the top of that that he has a reputation in football. And it's not just from us. It's come from what he did with Sunderland and Rangers, where two times Derek McInnes has verbally accepted a job to, a, to a, an interested club and then reneged. He has a reputation for leading clubs up the garden path, be it for, you know, the Scottish thing of, oh, he shites himself, or be it for he's really happy at Aberdeen and he uses these clubs to get a bump in his salary. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Only Derek McInnes will know that. But that's the reputation he's got. So you add all that in. Now, if he gets punted from Aberdeen at some point, which you're absolutely correct, their fans would happily do tomorrow, then where does he go? Because in England... He's got one spell down there, which was a, a failure, and he has this reputation as somebody who was content 
to just you know muddle along at his his own pace with no pressure. I I think I mean he's made a huge error of judgment. Yeah, and uh, regardless of where he goes next, if whatever happens, Aberdeen, regardless of where he goes, it'll not, it'll not be a job in the same stratosphere as the Rangers' job. That's a given. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's and, that's and he'll, he'll, he'll go to his grave with us. He turned in the Rangers' job. Then, and he's never going to get a chance to get it. I think he'll never it, have a job as big as that. No, I, I think you have to compare it with Graham Murray. Now, I'm not saying, incidentally, Graham Murray's a long-term solution to Rangers. I think you know he's, he's certainly going about it the right way. Um, but we'll see. Whether we're going to talk about the Ross County game. These are the kind of games that that have tripped up Graham Murray. <clears throat> I mean, if, if Graham Murray could have replicated his record against the so-called bigger sides in Scotland, against the, the so-called smaller ones... You know, not only would be in a job, we'd be jealously guarding him at this point. Mm-hmm. But he's at least gone right. Circumstances are a bit weird at Rangers, and it's given me an opportunity that, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be near. And I'm going to try and grasp it. McInnes was exactly the same, in my opinion, because under mm-hmm. normal circumstances, a man with his record wouldn't have been considered. And yep. yeah, but fuck him. You know, I suppose uh, listeners will be saying, "Well, David, well, we're not here to talk about that." But I just wanted to rub that into him. He's been bodied three times now by the under twenties coach who we've appointed because he shat it. So fuck him. Um, I hope he regrets <laughs> it. I really do. Let, let's compare that with somebody who desperately wanted a deal to to be made, Andy, and that's Greg Doherty. Mm-hmm. Who uh, news breaking tonight that he has signed? Lovely picture of him at Auckland Howie with his family, and I mean with about six members of his family. Um, the deal done. The the boy had pushed for it. Hamilton acted very classy manner. Didn't disclose anything other during the negotiations than we had a bid, we've turned it down. That's all they said. There was no Kilmarnock-esque posturing for them. Ronnie McDonald, their chairman, today said the deal's done and uh, Rangers have conducted themselves very well throughout this. You know, we, we obviously want to keep our best players if we can, but we realise the size of the club we are and we don't want to get in the way of, of a youngster's dreams. And... This is just one of these lovely stories, in my opinion, where you've got a guy desperately signed for his boyhood dream. It happens. And I'm excited about this kid. I think there's a player here, Andy. No, I totally agree. I've, I've said it in a previous pod, but I think the boy. And uh, regardless of the fact he's a Rangers fan, I mean, the fact that he's a Rangers fan is just a kind of uh, supercharges his scene, if you like. If you the kind of fairy tale that every Rangers fan wants to live. But apart from that, this boy is. A really, really good player. I'm, I'm big on young young players that are able to maximise their abilities in terms of their physique and making sure that they're getting the best of themselves. Because there's far too many and, and Rangers players as well that have came through the ranks and are still built like a bit of straw. And um, you've got the likes of Bates. I've said it before. He's built himself up not by accident. He's made himself. A big brick shithouse, which you can see in his play. Mm. And this boy's similar because he's he's built a wee tank and it shows in his power and his play. And I'd seen him before, but when he played played against us at Ibrooks when they beat us, he stuck out last sore thumb to the point where I'm scrambling when to, to see if somebody's got a programme to see who this number eight is that's playing for Hamilton. He was absolutely su- superb. I'm really excited about him because I think what we were talking about earlier on about the team and the formation and the balance... He fits all that. Hmm. He's young, he's dynamic, he's got pace, he's got power, he can shoot, he can tackle, he can cross. I mean, I was watching a video on YouTube the other day and the amount of crosses he had coming in for his right foot for a midfielder, a supposedly central midfielder. 
So I think it's going to be a real asset, and for six hundred grand or seven hundred grand or whatever it is, it's about six hundred plus add-ons. If six hundred, but add-ons if he gets an X amount of caps or if he right. plays X amount of games, but nothing even then, nothing unreasonable. Um, no. I will say that Hamilton have been the only real sticking point that was that Hamilton because Rangers weren't paying the fee, you know, up front. Um, Hamilton asked for quite a large sell-on percentage, which Rangers negotiated down, probably larger than Rangers wanted to to give, but not again, not unreasonable. It's not like fifty percent or anything. So yeah. uh, Hamilton did the best deal that Hamilton could for the club, but nor did they price the boy out of out of the move. Uh, and yeah. like I say, we 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 obviously and we're as bad on this show as anybody else. You know, the, the, a lot of. Um, distaste for our opposition clubs in Scotland but I think when, when some of them act professionally and with the best interests of both their club and their player at heart I think it, it's only fair to recognise it and I think Aki's have, have certainly done that through this through this process and you only need to look at Kilmarnock as as an opposite, playing to the gallery and totally ignoring the, the wishes uh, and, and probably the, the, the long term mental health and benefit to their player but anyway that, that's mm-hmm. an aside no, that's a fair point, David. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to see where he fits in. It gives us more options. First half of the, the season, we've spoken on here many a time about personnel being the, the kind of underlying issue. It doesn't matter who the manager is. If you've not got the personnel and the bench and the squad, you're not going to get consistency and, and uh, consistent victories. So we've added, it's been a fantastic window. I think, mm. I think we need to start looking towards the fact that Mark Allen and his scouting team just let us not forget John Brown's in there amongst other folk. Whatever they've done in such a short space of time, it's very, very promising. Yes. Uh, even if they're loan deals, that doesn't really matter to me at this stage. But um, I think we've had a fantastic window, even if another bit of business isn't done. I really like the balance. I say my favourite Rangers teams are teams that have, if you like, that Scottish core, Scottish British core, and then um, a sprinkling of foreigners throughout it. And I really like the balance here because you've got guys like Murphy, you know, Doherty, Rangers fans, but at different ends of their careers and bringing in different, you know, the, one guy really hungry. Well, they're both hungry for it, but one guy really hungry to prove himself. One guy wanting to, you know, bring in a, a wealth of experience and uh, at a really good standard. And you look throughout the side, Jason Cummings, exciting. I mean, I can't remember the last transfer window, Andy, where we've seen two guys from Scottish football that our fans were desperate to get. I mean, I, yeah. I I can't remember. It's been years, probably going back to Advocate, really. And yeah. it, it, I just I really like the balance of the squad at the moment. You still have, as you say, guys like Daniel Candias, you know, that are, are there and, and helping and providing. But overall, you look at that, and Alfredo Morelos, obviously, but you look at that, that squad and you think, ah, you know, this is, this is a right good balance. You're Martin at the back that's a leader, you have young Bates next to him. Um, and I just, I, I do, I like it. And, and to have turned it round from what that squad looked like the morning of the Celtic game to now and you add in mm-hmm. guys you're not playing at the moment Wallace Alves Ryan Jack mm-hmm. I mean that's a decent squad in the making and I think that normally I think that we can get ahead of ourselves as a support I'm as bad for it as anybody else but I feel a wee bit more justified in saying now looking at that squad I've kind of revised my ambitions for this season and I now want us to rather than just achieve consistency I'm looking at this and saying right the gap's 11 points to Celtic if by the end of the season we've cut that to maybe 6 I'll consider that a successful second half of the season and it would give us momentum going into next year Yeah, I think that's a fair point I think that's a fair point 
there's, de- there's definitely grounds for optimism. Uh, but with that comes the expectation, Dave, as we all know, mm. and and sometimes that can be the the, um, the problem. Mm. But to, to echo what you're saying, you can also add into the mix what we've been talking about. You've got players that are starting to mature into proper Rangers players now. Holt, Tavernier, uh, even Wilson, if he stays, these guys are, are starting to actually look as if they're... they're, they're um, uh, well, I say real Rangers players, but they, they, they can handle the week-in, week-out uh, demands mm. that playing, playing for Rangers brings, everything about it. So, yeah, the future looks bright at the moment. Let's not get too too far ahead. I know, I know, say. I know. But um, I think... Well, I was talking today, a guy, and, and it, we were talking about Kishinja and saying, I wish we had this in the first half of the season. And I says, well, that, that's obvious, but sometimes you've got to go through that to get to here so maybe we had to go through that to realise you know what we should be buying Scottish or British based players or players with British experience and we should be targeting the best Scottish talent that are actually Rangers fans or have got that kind of motivation and, and it might just be that that's the as I say John Brown and Mark Allen and a scouting team actually getting their head down saying right this is going to be our strategy but um, everything happens for a reason I'm, I'm hoping that Graham Murray who's doing in history is the most fortuitous thing to ever happen to Rangers in the, uh, since uh, since 2012 so well there was um, there was times under Big Eck where I thought Eck was maybe a luckier manager than he was good or maybe these yeah. things balance I, I, I'll take a lucky manager any any day of the week um, I think Wilson's away incidentally I do I don't think you'll see him again I think last night the fact that he didn't make the 18 I think that was yeah, yeah. I think that 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 was the closing of the chapter in his career. Um, his, his decision, and I think it's for family reasons. Although oh, that will come out in the wash, I think he does want to move to America. Um, but it's it's interesting with with what you're saying there about you know the the mentality to play for Rangers because it's such an enormous thing that it, it is a pressure cooker and it never it never changes. And you're right, maybe they have all just suddenly at the same time and there's no magic wand to do this. It just happens sometimes. And for some players, it never does. But maybe there has been, if you like, this crop suddenly of guys that have let, I get this, you know? And yeah. I, I now feel more confident and just doing it naturally. And I think you could see that... I keep going on about this, but I, I really do believe it. It's the way they're carrying themselves at the moment. That Rangers team early in the season looked cowed, it looked insipid, it looked frightened. They don't at the moment. They, they yeah. haven't for a, you know, well, really since the morning of the Celtic game, uh, they've been great. They've looked like Rangers players. Yeah. I, I mean, it's that, it's, it's that kind of intangible thing. So many things come together at the one time and sometimes you just, you just hit the mark. The, it may be, Davey, and I would put a lot of it into the fact that the, the quality of the squad has improved um, and sometimes it's better to play well yourself if you've got better players running about you or you've got a collective confidence mm. which I think shone through in the second half at Parkhead because um, the, the belief was just flowing through them and that was the same kind of belief that was flowing through them last night mm. they, they knew they could win if they played their game because they knew they had better players um, so I, I, there's, there's something happening I, I, I'd like to think that we can now move on and take care of the kind of routine games at home that have kind of cost us so dearly this year because we've now got more quality in the team. You've got Murphy can score goals for wide. You've got um, the boy Goss adding a wee bit of class in the middle of the park and it's allowing other players to get on with the game. I've spoken many times about asking players to do things that they're not actually 
it's not a game. We've asked Hull today things it's no his game. Uh, so no, I, I think I, th- I think we're in a good place. Injuries, we've still got injuries, you said. Um, and if we can steer clear injuries, just keep that wee bit of luck going. Uh, who knows what can happen? Yeah, absolutely. Well, oh. we're away up to Dingwall at uh, the weekend and uh, going to play Ross County. Ross County not playing well. This is the kind of match that we've slipped up in so often. I mean, this is so reminiscent of Dundee earlier this season. that um, they've, yep. They're coming off a very poor run, and including, obviously, the last game before the break. They've had three defeats. They lost 2-0 um, last night to Motherwell. They got knocked out of the cup at the weekend by Kilmarnock. Haven't scored a lot of goals. Uh, I think it's one goal in the last five. To try and address it, they've signed uh, a name that a lot of people might remember from the past. David Ngog. The former mm-hmm. Liverpool and uh, PSG striker, who's still only 28, interestingly enough. He's one of these guys who appears to have kind of badly lost his way in his career. As, as my nephew Donald said to me, if you look at his career, it looks like a career but in reverse. You know, he started out <laughs> at PSG and Liverpool and then it's Bolton and every club that since. But, you know, he's, he's gone for a lot of money in his time. So it's an interesting signing and certainly... For a club like Ross County, with, with no disrespect to Ross County, you know, it, I'm sure it's it's not a place that he ever envisioned ending up at. Now, Ross County had a decent record against this last season, and it won't be a pushover. Owen Coyle is their manager there. Again, another guy, incidentally, you could probably have the same conversation about someone whose career has um, maybe fell off a cliff. I mean, I remember a few years ago, the, the infamous story when he was at Burnley that Arsenal were looking at him as the long-term replacement to Wenger. So, we can't take this for granted on form and on players and all the rest of it. Rangers, of course, should be going there and winning easily. But we don't need to look too far back this season, Andy, to see that any time we've run into a match like that, we've struggled. Aye. And, and this, is, this is the thing. But we've managed to get good good performances, excellent performances, and then in the very next game, for flat in our face. So I think, when I think of Ross County, I'm thinking physicality, unfortunately, as I do with most of Scottish football. But when we went up there earlier in the season, we had a good victory. But it was a bit tight and it really should have been. Um, well, the terrible mistake for the goalkeeper, of course. And then they did, the, you're right, yep. at 2-1. They, you know, they put us under severe pressure for about 15 yep. minutes till, till we got the third. They're pretty aggressive down the wings. They've got a couple of dirty bastards. So if it, big boy Davis at the back, nearly four arms smashed Miller out of the game. So stuff like that stuck in my mind. So it will be a battle, which will need to win first and foremost. The, the park's usually quite good up there. I can remember at the start of the season, it was one of the best parks in Scotland. To be honest, one of the best surfaces. I don't know what it's like just now, but I'd imagine it's still a, a decent pitch for this time of year. So it should allow us to get playing. But uh, no, nah, that, that's what I think. About the last, even last season, I can remember Windass getting clothesline two or three times in the one game because they were just so cynically physical. Uh, so... Let's hope that the referees do their job ah. Unlike last night <laughs> I was just going to say Unlike last night When Madden uh, I thought had a had a bet on That he wasn't got You know He had uh, no bookings In the first 45 minutes uh, Up until he miraculously Pulled one I mean Again On these Aberdeen boards Even the even the sheep were saying This is us getting beat When the referee's giving us everything And that never ah. happens So that's how But Madden is one of these referees Who You know Certainly If, if anyone knows his family They don't come he doesn't come from a line of Rangers haters, shall we say. And I think he goes out his way to prove how neutral he is by giving us nothing. But you're absolutely right about Ross County. Is it maybe a match for Jason Cummings? Because 
there's a boy that likes likes to you know he he'll give it out and take it as as the cliche goes and it might be a game where we can go with the two forwards as opposed to maybe having the extra man in midfield arguably arguably I'd like to think that that formation we hit upon last night kind of solves our problem and that that formation can work against a team that's sitting in and it can work against a team that's actually coming out against you and as I recall Ross County when they came to Ibrooks um, more recently they were pushing up on us. They were putting their forwards right onto our two centre halves when they split for, for goal kicks and stuff like that. They were forcing us to hit it long. So I would like to think now because we've got a wee bit more quality in the team, we've got a wee bit more pace and, and, and more players that can score goals, I would like to think we keep the same formation and see how it goes there because um, I know you're saying who doesn't want to see Cummins in the team. He's an exciting, an exciting player. But I don't know. I don't think I would change. I don't think it would be wise to... But then would they? I don't think anybody in that team deserves to, to drop it. That's, no. that's for certain. I mean, I think if it was a change, it would be for, for tactical reasons only. Uh, and you're right, if everybody's fit, then uh, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see, to, to see the same line. And I, I take your point about Goss, who's such an elegant player. I mean, apparently when he was growing up at Man United, his idol was Michael Carrick, and he kind of took him under his wing. Um, to the point where QPR fans said one of the problems that he had there was that he maybe was too much in thrall to trying to play like Michael Carrick and maybe should just relax and play his natural game a bit more but even so you can see he's got that again the word I would use is elegance to his play and yeah. he'll come back and get the ball as you say and comf- be happy to take the ball and use it and move it um, but a lot of pressure in Cummings because the fans obviously already love him, right? I mean, he was one of the, we spoke about that when the transfer was was mooted. That he was a player that we watched, and he, he really fit into that category of God. God, I hate that wee bastard. I wish he played for us, you know. Um, yep. Last night when he was warming up, amazing reception. Came on, thunderous cheers. People loved him, which is great. It's going to give him a real opportunity at Rangers because the fans want him to succeed, and that's half the battle um, that they're not just sitting there going go on then and press us I mean so that, that does help but it is a lot of pressure on, on, on the boy I mean he is still a youngster and the yep. expectation levels are clearly very high on him Andy yeah and that's why it may not do him any harm to be coming off the bench for, well, at least in the early, early days of his Rangers career because it just it might lift the expectation um, off his shoulders if a goal up or a couple of goals up when he comes on there's, there's no so much uh, need for him to, to actually score but um, I think he'll do fine he'll be, he's too good a player to fail I just worry that if, if Morales keeps up his streak of form and, and, and that kind of formation continues to bear fruit that there might not be a starting berth for him mm. um, until injury or something that kind of intervenes and, and before you know it you're, you're at the latter end of the season which it is a loan uh, I'd be interested to see what the actual details of the loan is in terms of the, the options to buy so, no, it's all about the squad. We're talking about formations. Injuries will happen. He'll get his chance. Uh, so, so I'm sure he'll do all right when he comes in. Yeah. Maybe too early just now, but... Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Like I say, if it was the same team, you certainly wouldn't have any, any complaints out of me. OK, Andy, then I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your predictions for the result on Sunday? I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll win fairly comfortably. I'm going to go for 3 nothing. 
I'm going to go for 2-0. I think I agree. I think if we perform anywhere near the level we've been performing, I think that we'll win. And uh, if Wes Fodderingham is in this kind of mood, <laughs> it'll take a hell of an effort to get past him. Um, honestly, if you get the opportunity, please go back and watch that last 15 minutes where he was incredible. I mean, genuinely, him and Taverny, uh, Tavernier even. Uh, that, that's your fault. That's you and Stephen with your Tavernier. <laughs> Um, the, the sucking me in, yeah, and I'll get abuse for it. So Tavern, Tav, as I think we'll just call him for now, to save controversy. Um, the the two of them were absolutely fantastic. The last ten minutes, and just were so determined that they weren't giving the sheep a, a foothold in that game at all. So yeah, um, well, both of us feeling feeling quite good. So come back in Monday, and as Rangers will have done that usual probably um, hopefully hopefully not ok folks well if you want to hear a little bit more from us then um, please come along to our subscription site it's uh, heart and hand on Patreon just go to patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash heart and hand and uh, there's tons and tons of content usually three shows a day sometimes four going up um, so many eras that we're looking at so many things in the first team tactics shows you name it you'll find it over 2,000 people have signed up and the reason that it's growing is because we we don't advertise deliberately. We don't advertise other than you know mentioning it here because we want it to grow by people saying to their mates, give that a try. And the reason that it keeps growing is because people are doing that. Their mates are signing up and they're saying to their mates, come and come and you should go and listen to that. So so give us a try. It's only one ninety nine a month. And of course, if you don't like it, you can cancel. Um, uh, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter at ibroxrocks and Andy, you are on Twitter at at Bob McPhail. You much better name than me. I wish I had thought of that. To be <laughs> honest. <laughs> okay, all I'd need to do now then is thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers. To thank my guest tonight, the ever wonderful Andy McGowan. Pleasure, David. And to, to thank all of you for listening. We'll be back on the flagship show on Monday. Until then, take care and moan the bears. Bye. Podcast Network.